0: Hi all, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Geomologist Presents. Today we're presenting in a lot of detail, both the setup and the gameplay that for a Deadlands game that I ran, which the players entitled Cryin' in Cheyenne. So uh, that'll be towards the end, and first there are going to be some listener responses, which I think are Pretty important. You can skip them if you don't like that kind of controversy or if you're tired of hearing about the X card and what is good and and what is not good to talk about or discuss or role play during a gaming session. Um, You can skip those. I don't group the segments together, so you can pick and choose. So there are comments by uh, Joe and Jason on that topic. And then after that, comments on and, I, and my responses to games that I mentioned in the last podcast. And hey, we got a, a call from uh, Audio Dungeon Discord Podcasting Royalty. Colin Green calls in and I respond to him by sharing the latest Deadlands episode. So enjoy. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you soon.
1: Hey Carl, listening to your latest episode where you're talking about your T2K game and the X-Card and you're saying that sometimes in a post-apocalyptic war game some unsavory things might happen off camera and you're sort of implying, unless I'm mistaken, that sometimes sexual violence might take place off camera and personally I think that goes beyond the X-Card. I don't think sexual violence has any place in role-playing games, period, the end, on or off camera. I would never have that in my game. I would never play in a game with it. Uh, One of the main reasons is that shit is too real for too many people, and you would never know. Even if you asked everyone, hey, are you guys okay with this? People might not admit to having been a victim of that, and so you you can never know, man. But that's just me. Peace out. A little bit more. Uh, I have a ton of adult themes in the games that I run. I have sex and violence. I distinctly separate the two. I have drugs, prostitution, we'll deal with slavery. a myriad of other adult themes, but sexual violence is just... it's a step too much, because, like I said, you don't know, and so. So many people have been a victim of sexual violence, and to bring that up at the table, I don't see, even to imply it, I don't see the reason, the point. And this isn't, I'm not talking about you specifically, Carl, I'm talking in general. Uh, There's much more harm that can come out of it than any possible good. Yeah, man, I just, I don't think it's worth it. I don't, yeah,
0: I don't think it's good. I don't think it belongs but that's just me. Bye. Hey, Joe, you are absolutely right. There is no place for sexual violence in a role playing game. And I totally agree with you. And I apologize for even thinking of that to my T2K players. There's definitely plenty of horrors that we don't have to go into that realm at all. And As Jason suggested on his podcast, it's definitely worth having a pre-game conversation either on the Discord or probably actually in person when we run again about these themes and these horrors. And that is definitely, I would say that that is definitely my X card. I would get up and walk away from the table if that happened in a game like at a convention and uh, you were again, absolutely right, and I appreciate your comments, and they're always insightful, and sometimes they might incite others, but that's part of the great thing about this community and this group, is we have different opinions, and uh, we can have a great discussion in a very civil manner, and I believe that everyone here is a good person.
2: Hey Carl, Jason here. Reference the Twilight 2000 game. I, you're not going to offend me, so there's no need to worry about the X card stuff. I, I'm sure that you're not going to go far enough to bother me a bit. Um, but that said, I have zero problems with it being introduced. Uh, you know, I'm not going to rage quit if you introduce the X card into the game or anything like that. So I, I have zero problems with the X card. And, you know, I I don't think I'm going to have any issues with content either. So anyhow, just want to give you that feedback. Hey, Jason,
0: thanks. Yeah, don't think I'd have like a physical X card in our game, but I think it's worth having a discussion before we play, as you said in your podcast, start the actual campaign. And I would expect and encourage players, if they have an issue with something that comes up that we don't discuss to like Send me a, a, a personal message on the Discord, um, either I mean in real time or whisper me on the uh, on the World Twenty. So thank you for that call. I think it's been a great discussion about this topic because I think it's important. You know, we wanna we're all good people. We wanna have fun games, so let's keep doing it.
1: What's up, Carl? Me again. Super stoked to hear you talking about Pathfinder 2. I, I know you've played it some before, but I, just, I, I get a kick out of hearing people talk about it. It's funny. You mentioned how PF2 hasn't really caught on. And when my group started playing it for the Wheeler Woe campaign, there was nobody talking about Pathfinder 2nd Edition on Twitter. Nobody. It was crazy. And now, like within the past month or so, I've noticed this crazy resurgence. Not even a resurgence. A first surgence of just a ton and ton and ton of people talking about Pathfinder 2, and I don't get it. I don't know what happened, but it'd be dope if we were doing the, the podcast right now, man. Anyway, cool stuff. That adventure you got sounds awesome. Frog God Games makes some rad stuff. I've checked out some of their shit before. Good stuff. Peace out.
0: Hey, Joe, maybe the resurgence is from the response after you know from PaizoCon. I know that they... Just put out that Mwangi Expanse book, probably the next adventure path in the Mwangi Expanse, so Heart of Darkness style, which I think it might be pretty cool. Um, I really like, I think the last two adventure paths, they've been like three-parters. Maybe that's more palatable. Um, I really would love to do the Mega Dungeon in Pathfinder 2. I tried to do that, like I mentioned, with Castle White Rock, but maybe having not to convert and just doing it as you know a rules or an adventure already using those rules would be easier to to figure out and handle. Um, there are definitely maybe some stalling points in the moraine castle White Rock campaign that we had to like figure out how to change these magic items or adjust the rewards um, and I, I'm sure if we had had more players, it would have been a little easier and more sustainable, but just with two was a challenge. Um, so I'm looking forward to either doing that, uh, mega dungeon, the abomination vault, that's what it's called, or maybe even, I, I always wanted to do the one where you you play like, uh, policemen in, um, in Absalom for the festival. I can't remember the name of that one offhand, but I don't know. I guess, I guess it came out at a, it's bad timing for that adventure path. Um, I had proposed it to the group, and they're like, "No, I don't know. With all the cop controversy right now, I don't know if I want to play it." So it's interesting um, how that works out or doesn't work out. So I would like to get Pathfinder two to the table. I, like I said, I had Extinction Curse going, and the group kind of fizzled, uh, maybe because it was like it was it was a roll twenty game, and we had had a great run of. Uh, Starfinder live and the players I have I think would prefer live and like visual like the little whiteboard maps that I come up with um, so I think the Extinction Curse suffered even though I bought the Roll20 stuff and it was, everything was available it just kind of suffered I think from from that sort of uh, COVID fatigue video, video fatigue uh, thing and it kind of Petered out and fizzled Um,
2: so my fault entirely I'm sure you know if nobody else is interested in Monday nights maybe we do the Traveler deep night revelation with you Matt and me and then if other people show up they show up although sword and sorcery fits two players but Traveler could too I'd be down for either one
0: hey Jason that's exciting to hear I really like Traveler. I've always wanted to get into the table. I like the 2D6 plus bonuses to hit a target number mechanic. I kind of always have. Um, Mongoose, I feel, has cleaned things up but kept things in the spirit of the original, which I think is great, other than the drawings for Aslan and Battle Dress. That's a whole nother topic and different story. Um, anyway that'd be exciting. I talked to the other player and we were going to maybe sit down and d- make characters for the crew in the, for the Deep Night Legacy uh, adventure, the crew of the far boat that um, is central to the adventure. So maybe you can join us for that or we can, you and I can do it, which might be kind of fun. I know how much you enjoy the character creation sessions, right? So I'm sure you'll, when you roll up one to ten, you'll either die or um, every time, or you'll roll up the guy who's like 65 years old um, who is an admiral.
3: Hey Carl, excuse the drums in the background. I guess it fits in with the the singing theme on your podcast, which is awesome. Three things I've got to say. Firstly, keep up the um, excellent coverage of Savage Worlds. I've got that Adventure Edition book. I was thoroughly impressed and I'm kind of keen and hoping that I'll be able to learn about the game through listening to you talking about it. I've read it, but, you know, that practical in-game experience is to be valued. Secondly, very disappointed that I'm not involved in that 5e Ravnica. I enjoy your 5e coverage and hopefully your sessions with kevin i will be able to enjoy vicariously through your game reports and then finally that warhammer session that sounded amazing with a guy with his finger great stuff take care man
0: hey colin thanks for the calling and kind words i just noticed as i was replaying your message that my cat perked up when you started talking i don't know what that means i don't know maybe this likes likes your accent maybe you're a cat talker Who knows? Maybe you're a shapeshifter or a skinwalker in disguise and can talk to animals. Pretty cool. Um, I think it's neat that we're playing this Ravnica game, and uh, I hope I enjoy it. I really have been wanting to kind of open and use that book. I don't know if if that was one of the ones that you threw into the box, but I was contemplating... Tossing that one, or Theros. I have several of the smaller ones on PDF, too, and I want to get the Strixhaven that's coming out. So, yeah, uh, you'll see a lot of... Let's be able to listen to a lot of Savage Worlds in the next segment, so I'm not going to go into that much detail. Um, if you're able to game again when your schedule works out, we'll definitely have to talk about Savage Worlds in more detail, maybe play some, um, depending on your, again how things pan out with uh, what you're doing now. And um, <clears throat> as, to, as far as Warhammer, sorry, I have to clear my throat. As far as Warhammer, well, it's just a great group of guys. And I love that they're helping to create a collaborative story, like I explain, And it's great that also... The Limelight seems to move around the cast of players and characters in this group. They're fantastic. I've known and played with them for a long time, except for one of them. But we play, we've we been playing for a couple years uh virtually. He's a friend of one of the other players. And we finally got to meet him when we started playing live the Warhammer. And it's just, uh, like I said, a fun group who loves the lore, enjoys the game are very easygoing and we're all friends. I think that's part of it too, right? It's like we can all go next door after a game and debrief and hang out and have a beer or two. And I think that's part of the probably the best of it. The best result and outcome. We don't just storm out, "Okay, see you next time." It's like we hang out. And I love it. This one's for you, Colin Green. This past Sunday, I ran a session of Deadlands for our Sunday dinner group, which is myself, my wife, and our two really good friends, uh, Melissa and David. And at the end of this game, I asked, what do you think the title of this adventure was? And David replied, Cryin' in Cheyenne. Maybe it's pronounced Cryin' in Cheyenne. Anyway, so the interesting thing about this adventure, it's not a published adventure, but I took advantage of the build your own adventure chart that's in the Deadlands book. And what it does is it has you draw, draw three cards and then there are little tags for each of the cards. And uh, then you try to conduct or wrap an adventure around that. So I rolled a two of... Spades for the objective, and that was rest and recuperation. It could be work for hire. It could be something that interrupts their R and R from the past adventure. Uh, for the obstacle, I ran, I roll, I drew a three of clubs, and that was robber baron. So the hero heroes find themselves opposed by a rich and influential entrepreneur, and Third thing is the complication, and I rolled a three of hearts, drew a three of hearts, and it was, can anyone hear me? Basically, the players are isolated. There's telegraph problems. Um, to get involved, a henchman for one of the players. So here's what I came up with. I had them kind of visiting Cheyenne, Wyoming, for some R and R, and previously, Amy's character, the agent had taken as an advance the Edge, which gives them a promotion. So with a promotion, you can call on two favors. So one of her favors is to repair and upgrade the stagecoach that they found in a previous adventure. So they're going to add like armor plating and make it all fancy, put a, a holding cell in the back, Probably gonna be drawn by a lot of horses, but I think I have plans in the future to have them make it sort of a mechanically device, a la weird science, a la you know steampunk, which is part of the the weird science genre, weird west horror that encompasses Deadlands. So they're resting, they're re- refitting their stagecoach in Cheyenne, and I had as my obstacle the robber baron i named him wyatt sills he was a local factor for wells fargo and he wanted to buy the group's conveyance he didn't actually just want to buy the group's conveyance i came up with that he was going to get it at all costs so uh and the complication was that indeed they were isolated there was no way to call for backup i kind of left it at that i also involved um some of the henchmen or the players that they had to at least make some die rolls and be put in danger. So let's see how it went. So I opened the scene that they were in the saloon there in Cheyenne, uh, the nearest saloon to where their stagecoach was being refitted. And I had Wyatt with a couple tubs come in to ask Nasley. And of course it was refused. And one of the players remarked, Oh, he's going to try to steal our coach. Uh, Amy's character, who was dressed as Samantha at the time followed him out. Uh, He refused to talk to her. He had one of his toughs stop her. She didn't confront this right away, but she went instead to the sheriff. So they, they kind of made me, the group made me grab a, a new NPC (laughs) into the mix. So I had to kind of think of what the sheriff would do and how he would act and how the, what the law of the town is. And Shan is kind of a, would probably be like a pretty relatively bustling, um, Cattle and rail town, so it would have a sheriff. It probably has a marshal. Although the marshal maybe had him based maybe further, a little further north in Fort Laramie. But that, that's, it didn't matter. It wasn't germane. It just now they had and tried to recruit an ally. I had the sheriff. Unfortunately, uh, the sheriff didn't really like the Pinkertons, um, so it was polite to Samantha, not knowing that uh, they were Pinkerton. But then when Samantha came back as Sam, was kind of upset about it maybe was a fan of of jesse james or the uh bushwhackers back in the day and there's this infamous uh operation by the pinkertons where they assault the james uh, family farm and kill some innocent people uh there so so he was referring to that i refer to that uh it was sometimes it's good to curtail amy's uh ideas. (laughs) Not really. We just have fun with it. And, um, Hey, that's, I mean, she didn't do well on her persuasion, surprisingly, and that was a consequence I believe. So, but nonetheless, he was a big fan of the other player, uh, the Texas, the territorial Ranger. Um, so they hit it up and he did well. Um, so there was kind of like all in all the sheriff became neutral anyway. He did, they did take a job for the sheriff to go figure out what's going on with telegraphs. It could be gremlins, it could be something else. So it was kind of a way to distract. Um, it diverted a bit from the plot, from the main plot that I was thinking. But that, hey, that's okay. That happens sometimes. Um, and they went out to the telegraph, saw that it was damaged, uh, did some a bit of tracking, and saw that it probably was gremlins, but they decided not to follow them. They just report, they decided to go back and report to the sheriff who was a little overwhelmed and maybe they can do some more jobs for the sheriff in the, in the future regarding, you know, ticks and cattle. I mean, when I say ticks, I mean giant ticks. So they made a sort of neutral alliance with the sheriff. And that was the day at night. Of course, Wyatt Sills not to be denied Send some people to try to steal, uh, the stagecoach. But I didn't think it through very well. But I made it so that the, the bad guys hadn't thought it through very well because this is like a a metal encased uh, stagecoach, and there's no way they could like drag it. So the four people kind of went there, and they and they had their, the group had their henchmen Lucky and Bucky sort of guarding it. Um, one sleeping in the coach, one you know, actually on watch. Um, hey, they made their notice rolls. They were, they're extras, so they only get one dice. Um, they started yelling and screaming. Uh, the bad guys got into position, though, with their action. And then um, the characters woke up. Um, with the yelling and screaming from Lucky and Bucky. So there was like a, a tense round where it was just Lucky and Bucky trying to survive and defend themselves. And I had it as the Encounter 3, Extras, three bandits, and I use the cowboy stats in the book. Uh, and uh, one cowboy veteran who I made a wild card. Um, and then, and then, uh, I mean, the, the players handled it pretty well. There is a kind of a really cool moment, a couple cool moments in this uh, short-ish combat. Um, I kind of drew it out. On, we have like a little battle mat that I use as a whiteboard, and I drew it out for them. Um, they have, we have little tokens from the Deadlands, um, box set. Um, like there's a token box that comes with them. So I have like little representations of the players and I drew out the little stagecoach and, um, had the, the bad guys, little pogs for the bad guys as well. So it was kind of neat. Um, I liked, I really enjoyed the tactics that they came up with. So, um, Sam kind of jumped down the balcony, didn't get injured, but didn't do so hot, um, and then um, Hex, which is uh, one of Hex, is uh, the Hex Swinger, which is basically rune, rune etched rifles and pistols. Uh, Huckster. And Hex stayed on the balcony, act as Overwatch. And one of the coolest scenes was when the uh, Big Jake, who's the territorial ranger, he kind of um, you can imagine he's a big man. He likes to eat. Imagine like the Jack Black body type with a beard, or if Jack Black had had like a a peppered salt and peppered beard, um, big duster. So he like leaps from the balcony, gets a gets a raise. So I kind of was like, basically he jumps he jumped down. I described it, and his duster kind of flew out to kind of give him some stability as he landed softly, did a roll, and then had enough momentum to run run to cover to the edge of the of the of the building where the stagecoach was being repaired. So it was pretty cool. Um, they, Bucky and Lucky did pretty well. They, I think they took one or two of the bandits down each. And then Sam took out a, um, took out a bandit uh, by basically opening the garage or well, the bandit was going to try to open the door and kind of outflank him. But Sam beat him to opening the door, surprised the hell out of him and, Basically gunned him down, um, and then Hex as Overwatch. The there was an exchange of fire with the the cowboy veteran, wildcard, um, who I had named. I named I think Diego Sanchez, and uh, there was some exchange of fire. I had to use some Bennies to prevent some damage, and then when he tried to run because it was a bad situation now, three on one effectively, um, Hex, and Jake took him down. I think Hex is the one. who I think Jake injured him as he was trying to flee, and Hex at range with a great shot um, took him down. The bullet with his name on it. Uh, so it's one of the spells that Hex has is called Ammo Whammy, and it has various effects. And one, a good one to help with mitigate cover, etc., is something called um, called. Um, got your bullet with your name on it. So she, uh, she was able to, to do that. So that was that. Then they basically drug the, they didn't kill everyone. Uh, they drug the dead bodies and the survivor. One guy, actually one guy gave up one of the, sorry, they didn't lucky and Bucky only took out one. One of the other uh, bandits gave up when he saw his friend gun down. And I tried to, you know, he was shaken and I tried to have him uncover, un- recover from shaking, and I rolled a critical failure. So I just had him kind of stay there, shaken and cower and you know, probably pee his pants. Um, this is too much for him. So they took these prisoners to the sheriff, demanded recompense for this annoyance and attempted robbery. Uh, they definitely confessed, the bandits, that it was their men up uh, there, some of Sill's men. And they definitely um, confessed. So they marched over to the Sills manor house, and uh, there's some talk back back and forth. And Sills gave them a proposal, which the sheriff agreed to, um, for whatever reason. And the proposal and the players agreed. Well, at least one of the players agreed because she wanted to do it, and that was Hex. It was agreed to a duel. With the brother of Diego Sanchez, Rick Sanchez, and to be duelled, uh, and whoever won the duel would uh, win uh, the stagecoach, and and the sheriff loved that because it was kind of like harken back to the days of your uh, challenge with God watching. Uh, the sheriff's kind of a oddball, but I'll probably build him up, and and um, he's no glob knob, Colin, but he could be a very interesting. Uh, NPC just because he I feel like he's a little quirky maybe he reads too much of Mark Twain uh, who knows anyway so so during the duel the duel is the Sills is definitely not wanting to be put away uh, but I mean the duel I love the duels mechanic in in Deadlands because it's basically three rounds of staring at each other um, both duelists have cards and hex um, has a talent called Duelist, which allows three cards. And at, so the first two rounds are done normally as normal action rounds and other people can participate. And and so, for example, Hex can cast spells while waiting uh, for things to, ha- to happen. They can intimidate, the Duelist can intimidate each other. People who are not in the duel can cheer on and, and or intimidate. Their opponent, although that's frowned upon, but this wasn't really a formal duel, so there weren't any like anyone really watching. It was at night with lanterns and torches, um, kind of a private affair, and um, so it was a really cool build-up. I think the player who plays hex, uh, my friend Melissa, she really liked the duel last time, and she really I was glad to get her involved uh, this time around in this duel. Um, It was. It was no contest. Um, Hex just gunned, him, gunned down uh, Rick Sanchez, so he joined his brother Diego. So so Hex killed the brother Sanchez, uh, two of them in one night. So, uh, however, this was really a distraction by Sills to try to get away, but uh, Jake and Sam were on it and noticed that he was skirting away. I kind of gave, I didn't make Wyatt Sills a a mad scientist but I gave him like some gadgets so he was like a pseudo mad scientist um, who knew a bit about gadgets and that'll come back later at the end of my wrap up why he might have had the gadget so he uses this gadget to make him hard to hit and a little faster like um, Jake saw him like pull out a pocket watch and twist it really fast and press the button to go and he went and they and then they basically chased him into the manor as the duel was wrapping up. In fact, <laughs> Sam and Jake crossed the field of fire just before the duel went off, or the guns went off for the duelists. Um, it didn't, it didn't phase Hex one bit. But it, can, I mean, I was rolling poorly for for poor Rick Sanchez there, and um, I even rolled a critical failure on one of his rolls. So Hex got another card um, for the for the draw part. Um, so. He wasn't doing very well. He was both distracted and vulnerable. Um, And anyway, Hex killed him in one shot. So, right shot through the heart, she said. So I asked her, how did you kill this guy? Because she rolled. Because, of course, you know, it seems that these... that, That is one of the cool things, I think, about Savage Worlds, is that it makes for dramatic scenes. And you can take it or leave it, but the players seem to enjoy it, which, for me, is the fun of the game. And everyone goes crazy um at two points during a savage worlds game when you get a raise for spectacular damage and as what happened um during the the next part of the game jokers were flying so in the next part of the game i didn't really draw out the map of the manor i just built it as a chase scene and i explained the chase rules the first well we've done the chase scene before but i explained it as a chase scene and i gave him sort of the layout of the manor house with a big foyer and a, a set of stairs going up to like a gallery. Um, so and, and then there was you know, side rooms, of course, but the main focus was trying to chase down uh, Wyatt Sills, who's trying to get away. And uh, so it was it was pretty cool. So it was he was hard to hit because of the distance, his speed, and and cover. Uh, so what I thought was cool is although I think. Jake no, what was they couldn't hit him the first round, but what was cool is then Sam tried to fire at like the 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 chandelier or obstacles to put obstacles in their path. Uh Sam rolled really well, or Sam's player rolled really well and kind of stopped him in his tracks, made him in the Savage World's parlance vulnerable. He was easier to hit. Jake shot him pretty well and injured him. And um, pretty badly, I had to. I started using up my bennies, which is a, a good way to sort of play with the play back and forth with the GM. I think that's a really neat mechanic too. Is is there is there's definitely a, a tactic, meta game wise, to make the GM use the bennies for the bad guys, and it was really neat um, that they forced me to use bennies uh, relatively early, and then it was kind of like during the whole rest of the combat, Wyatt Sills was sort of trapped in this area where Sam had shot things down around like glass and, and chandelier parts and, and pieces of the the house structure. So he just couldn't get out of it. It was, it was actually pretty hilarious. I, I think I even rolled a critical failure once so he fell to the ground and, you know, it was so, however, White sales did have one trick up his one last trick up his sleeve, or a couple tricks actually. So the first trick was that he pressed a button, and I described it like a remote, a, like a 1950s remote control device with a you know box with a big red button and a, a stick wire with a wire curled, a thinner wire curled around it. He presses that button, this door slides open, and this automaton like marches out to fight the characters, and that was pretty harrowing. I mean, it, basically. It was a tough opponent. That was a wild card. So basically, in this last combat, they fought two two wild cards, three if you include the duelist. So no extras, all wild cards that they were fighting. Um, Sills wasn't really a combatant, but had like little gadgets, um, so more of a trickster. So they fought uh, this uh, this automaton. It was hard. It was difficult because it was tough to damage. Um, but uh, they they survived. They survived. I think three rounds of Gatlin gunfire. Um, Jake had t- taken two wounds. Hex had taken a wound. Sam had been lucky and not been hit or had not taken enough damage um, to be hit. Maybe was shaken maybe one time, and that was about it. And uh, they finally gunned it down. Uh, Hex with a a, a great shot uh, using ammo Whammy. Uh, so basically, what the comment that David made was that it was a fantastic fight because everyone used to all their bennies and uh, there Jake got a joker at a very critical moment. Um, the bad guy, the automaton got a joker at a very critical moment. So it was back and forth, harrowing skin of your teeth type stuff. Uh, but the player survived. Um, Sills tried to toss a grenade down at the group and it just didn't really work that well. Um, he was kind of lying there prone, couldn't really get away. Um, and then when they destroyed the automaton, I described that it was, you know, it was starting to pulse, you know, make really loud noises like beep, beep, beep. So, so uh, Jake's character said, "It's a, it's gonna blow up, it's gonna blow up." He was right. So everyone like dove out of the house. Um, uh, Hex actually saved Jake by getting a couple raises and push, you know, tackling him and knocking him out of the house so he wouldn't get damaged because he was the most damaged at the time. And then Sam. Ducked into another room when the big explosion happened. And no one got, well, Sam got slightly injured, was shaken, but was fine after that. Um, So they were like, oh no, Sam got blown up in the house. But then Sam walks out, no problem. Um, And then, so that was the adventure. And then we did like a little epilogue, denouement. And uh, as they sift through the rubble, they discover that the, the automaton was from a company called Hellstrom Inc. And that sills had another gadget in his house, maybe on the roof, uh, couldn't tell because the house exploded, and there was a big fire. And oh, I think that was a really fun thing too, because the sheriff the whole Pinkerton fiasco with the James house was that they caught the james farm um, farmhouse um on fire and and the sheriff warned the Pinkerton no explosions, no fires. Don't cause any trouble. And at the end, there was a big explosion and a fire in this manor house. And I had the sheriff say, fucking Pinkertons at the end. Um, so in the rubble, they had to make some rolls. And they discovered that there was some sort of da Vinci flying machine that Sills was trying to get to. Of course, it's all exploded in parts now. So that's something that they maybe want to investigate in the future. Um, I think that was pretty cool that they he had he was gonna it would have been great to see, as was my plan to have Wyatt sails fly off in this little whirly bird a uh, gadgety thing, but uh you know the players prevented that, which was very cool, but they still had uh the clue for maybe future adventures so very fun session it's kind of neat to just create a session. You know, I didn't create it on the fly, I created it ahead of time and then filled in the gaps. But that's kinda of one of the cool things about uh Savage Worlds and the system is that they there are ways that you could just do a quick adventure if you don't have anything planned. And I didn't want to quite get into the uh the bigger adventure, horror on Headstone Hill that comes with came with the Kickstarter yet. Um I just maybe I'll do a couple a few adventures where the players um just do their own thing. Um and I use this kinda of, encounter tables to to figure something out or now as David said hey now we can help Cheyenne with this tick problem or pursue the gremlins or you know let's follow this hellstrom lead so lots of hooks to happen and it was a really good session it was what quite longer usually our sessions have been about two two and a half hours and people kind of lose Focus, but I think I kept the action going enough that it was like a good four-hour session. So very happy about that. Players are really getting into it. Of course, they get another advance, and uh, it's good. Can't wait to play again. Well, once again, my recaps have gone over long, so I'll just end the session podcast here. Uh, Thanks again for the calls from Joe Richter, Jason Connerly, and Colin Green. I hope you enjoyed this little episode of the Geomologist Presents, and uh, today starts another week, more or less, of gaming with the uh, scheduled games on Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I don't. We'll see how crazy these sessions get and whether they merit long, long, and long-winded sometimes recaps. Hey, Colin, I'm sorry for no songs lately. My voice is just scratchy and smoky. It's like I have motor breath. Um, And I don't know. I I have to get back to the singing when the voice clears up. Or uh, do some more guttural type vocal ideation songs um, that no one will know the lyrics to, except maybe Jason Connerly, because it's always Death Clock by Death Clock.